Hey folks, JR, back for another episode of Echoes of Shannon Street Case File. It's going to be episode 79, Press Conference, Part 3. Alright folks, we're going to continue on with the press conference. I've taken my blood pressure medicine. I promise I won't use any obscenities in this episode, and there's I can figure. All right, let's, uh, let's get cranked up here. We heard on several occasions we believed at the time, and still do, Officer Hester. Also during this time, based on information from people in observation posts adjacent to this address, we had strong reason to believe that doors were being barricaded, furniture being moved, that there were sounds of nailing. We felt at the time occupants were securing the interior. Let me stop here for a second. Uh, let's go back up here. This part about we heard on several occasions, we believed at the time is still do Officer Hester, and he doesn't say anything else. It's, what about Officer Hester? Now, I think what he's talking about is the fact Officer Hester was screaming for help, begging for help, screaming for God, screaming for his wife, screaming for the officers to come help him. But the director couldn't come out and say that. It would be too embarrassing. He mentions it, but he doesn't really want to talk about it. And then this next part about strong reason to believe that doors were being barricaded, furniture moved, sounds of nailing, Sounds like to me, if you hear all that at the onset, why do you wait 30 hours? What, are you going to let them try to really secure the house? Or you don't think it's challenging enough to send the TAC unit in before they start nailing and barricading and all the other? Maybe it was just a plot by the by the director and the command staff. They were going to lull the suspects into a false sense of security that's good thinking we felt at the time occupants were securing the interior okay gotcha that's that's probably good i talked to tack and discussed problems this presented if this was the case obviously it tremendously complicated the task of TAC officers if they had to go in that's good thinking, sir. That's why we waited 30 hours, right? So it would make it easier on the TAC unit to go in. In most cases, they would have to force entry into one door. I'd say so. I'd say now. You know, at one time, you had the front door and the back door both open until they pulled the officers back. But now we were beginning to think that forcible entry would be required to go through several doors, several obstacles. You mean other than the 30 hours you waited for them to fortify the house? Of course, any delay just heightened certainty of death of Officer Hester. I've got to go back over that again. Of course, any delay just heightened certainty of death of Officer Hester. Okay, so let me get this straight. Any delay 
will just increase the chances that Officer Hester will die. So we're going to wait 30 hours before we go in. Certainty of death if we delay, but yet we're going to delay and take votes for 30 hours. That's all I've got to say about that. For the next 30 hours, attempt after attempt was made to establish rapport, communications, dialogue with the occupants of the house. 30 hours. At what, <laughs> at what point do we decide that there are no viable negotiations? And that we should go in. It's going to get better, though. I, I can just tell you, it's it's just it's just going to get better than this. All met with negative results. Okay, that's not negotiation, sir. Thank you for establishing the fact we never had viable negotiations. We had been able to obtain several microphones that eventually were installed in the windows of the house, so we could at least monitor whatever sounds were available. And the first, I think the first microphone that they had used, I believe, came from one of the news stations. One of the national news stations, I think. Let them borrow one. That's in one of our earlier episodes. By this time, communications had dwindled. Occupants apparently had decided to take the position that we had nothing they wanted and they wanted us to come in. Folks, I, that's at least three times he's he said that. It, he's, the sentence has changed just here and there, a word here, a word there. But he said the same thing. Nothing that they wanted, they wanted us to come in. So I guess the 30 hours we waited we were just going to wear them down. Sooner or later, they go, okay, okay, we'll take something now. But first, let us beat the hostage to death, and then we'll ask for something. In the latter stages of the siege, we were very frustrated, confused, uncertain of the cause of the lack of information we were getting from inside. Wow. This whole press conference leaves us all frustrated, confused, and uncertain of the cause, of the lack of information we are getting. Well, Mr. Director, it could have been worse. You could have been on the inside of the house being frustrated while you were getting beaten to death. The last report we had heard from the officer was the report that he had called out, give them whatever they want. The officer who overheard that said the voice, Hester's, was strong, didn't seem to be in distress. Now that came from Walter Cruz, who was assigned as the primary negotiator. Now, Folks, just think about that. We obviously we went over this in, in an earlier episode when we were going through the negotiations. Sarcasm included in that use of the word negotiations. 
And he he reported that to the command staff. Or maybe he was told to tell them that. Maybe the director told him to come to the command staff and tell them that. Now, if you've been beaten for hours upon end, how in the world can someone on the outside say the voice was strong and it didn't seem to be in distress? Take a heck of a manly man to take a beating like Officer Hester was. And then somebody have the gall and the nerve to say, well, I, I heard Bobby Hester screaming, but he, he sound, his voice was strong. He wasn't in distress. Folks, I hope you see the pattern here. This is really ugly. We had every reason to believe the officer was still alive at that point. Yes, sir. But let's wait 30 hours and make sure he dies before we do anything. We had reason to believe he was reasonably strong. <laughs> that just, yes, he's strong, Mr. Director. Yeah. Oh, my God, what an assumption. You know, Mr. Director, I just the longer this press conference goes on, the more I'm just astounded by your resilience. Our main concern was still to get the officer out alive and avoid loss of many other lives. Now, folks, after what I've just read, I'm not talking about everything I've read. I'm talking about just this last paragraph. Does that sound like that sentence doesn't belong? Does it sound like there's a conflict between our main concern was still to get the officer out alive and then the part where the siege goes on and on and they're frustrated and confused? And I mean, folks, isn't there just a tinge of, I don't know, something... Just call it a hunch, woman's intuition. But I, I think the director's pulling our leg on this. I think he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. Late in the night, early morning of Wednesday, we had microphones in place. I am using language used by Sanders on the tape. One officer listening overheard Sanders talking, saying he was hurt, that he didn't want anything to do with negotiation. Okay, so now they actually have bona fide proof that he doesn't want to negotiate. Even now, even when the obvious is occurring, now you actually have proof. It's not just his actions, it's his words. Sanders asked someone, do you understand MF? Apparently, he got no response. We felt at the time he was talking to Hester. Then he said, if you understand, roll your eyes, you SOB. At that point, we felt he was talking to the police officer. Along about the same time, we heard Sanders kind of rambling in his conversation. One time, he appeared to become nauseated. It appeared from the sound he had gone to the bathroom, thrown up. He also was heard to say it at that time he was wounded. Another officer 
Prior to the assault heard Sanders state, all pigs must die. All pigs were liars that all this shit had been caused by the pigs accusing him of stealing a purse. Folks, it's just paragraph after paragraph just confirming that there are no negotiations, officers being harmed, hostage takers do not want to negotiate, and that you need to go in and save the hostage. We had decided their only interest was in killing the officer that they had and any other officer that they could. That's an incredible, insightful sentence right there. Well, I must say, folks, this is not a total loss, this 30-hour siege, hostage situation. The director and the, I guess he's talking about the command staff, he said, we, they have finally figured out that the suspect's only desire is to kill the officer and to harm other officers. And I get the feeling that they figured that out before the 30-hour mark. I wonder what they were waiting on. Why 30 hours? Maybe we should go back and see how long St. Jude lasted. But we're going to save that for another day. Contrasted to the first few hours where we had hopes of the officer's survival if we refrained because we knew for a certainty he was dead if we went in. That, that, that's garbage. You don't go in. We refrained because we knew that he would be killed. <laughs> God, that. My God, if he'd been Pinocchio, he'd have put somebody's eye out in the audience. The scales have now swung to where we knew that if the officer's alive, well, no, sir, you wait long enough, he won't be. And based on some of the statements we heard, and we had reason to believe or hope that he was. Well, I don't even know what that means. What in the world does that mean? The scales had swung. But we also knew that even if it did mean death to the officer at that point, we still had no alternatives. We were faced with not only the officer's condition, but the conditions of the other people in the residence. What, we, what does that mean? We knew that even if it did mean death to the officer at that point, we still had no alternatives. I, I've got one, Mr. Director. I, I was just a major, but let me spitball this. This is from middle management. I suggest that we get our TAC unit that is in place and was ready to go within 45 minutes to an hour after the incident started. I've got an idea. Why don't we let them go in? They're only one of the probably top ten finest TAC units in the entire country. No joke. They were that good. But I guess that's not an, a, an alternative method. I, I guess we're just helpless. Just have the TAC unit continue to pile up sandbags and let's goof off. Nobody's got anything else to do, right? Because we have no alternatives. There's nothing else to do. We've just got to wait. 
got to wait till the officer dies. There had been a number of shots exchanged on the front end. We felt at least one, maybe two, or we felt that at least two people had received some sort of injuries. We knew Sanders had received at least an arm injury. Okay, so now you know the officer's injured because you've heard him just getting the stew beat out of him. You know you've got at least two of the suspects that have been wounded. You know Sanders is. And also, if you talk to Lieutenant Summers when he shot the suspect through the kitchen window. Okay, so you're taking all this into consideration, the, the condition of Officer Hester and the condition of, of multiple suspects that they may need medical attention. They don't want to come out, but you're concerned about their welfare and the welfare of Officer Hester, but we're still going to wait 30 hours. This is ingenious, Mr. Director. I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. So the decision was ultimately made to take action. And the discussion then centered on that action. The first proposal discussed was simply one of trying to force the occupants out of the house through the use of gas. That won't work. Wrong. A major concern with that alternative would be the danger inherent to the community if that action was taken. What are you going to do, sir? You're going to gas all of North Memphis? Why don't we just gas the house? And I've got a better idea, sir. Why don't we put gas in the house and have the TAC unit hit the house? After 30 hours, we had a good understanding of what we were facing. And folks, I'm, we're going to, I, I got to stop right there. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this episode. I, I can't take any more of this press conference right now. I've got to go take a sedative or do something, drink a sedative. Folks, you don't even, any of you listening that aren't the police, you don't have to be a police officer to know there's something wrong with this. And, and I know I'm probably giving, making way too many comments, and I'll just shut up and just read it. But it is, this is the most galling thing. This is as bad as the negotiations I had to read out. Just just hour after hour of, of oxygen wasted that sick babies needed. And, and this right here is just a waste. I mean, we're not even giving out a good lie. We, we, we're, everything in this press conference justifies going in within the first hour, two hours. Anyways, that, that, we've done enough for tonight, folks. Anyways, all right, folks, I appreciate y'all listening in. I do apologize. I need to, I guess, temper my commentary and just read it. I think y'all all know what's going on. All right, folks, thank y'all. We'll get together in a few days, and we'll hit it again. Till then, I'll see you down the road.